Hello, and welcome back to Loading Screen, a podcast where we help you, the listener, discover new video game genres. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Tristan Jung. And this is Russell. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Loading Screen, where our topic for the day is narrative action adventure stories. Uh, these are easily some of my favorite kinds of games, and, and definitely the ones that uh, are the closest to my heart, and kind of the, the reason why I personally got into video games in the very first place. And so I've been pretty excited about this episode since I uh, you know first decided to pick this topic. I could talk about this this forever, but Tristan, I'm like a little bit curious uh, do you play these games often? Like, what's your experience playing some of these kinds of games? I was actually just going to leave and just have you run the whole <laughs> hour because I think you could fill the entire space. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because this is a very specific genre. Yep. Right. Versus when we talked about RPGs last episode. So I think we'll be able to kind of frame our discussions a little bit better. But to answer your question, I have played, I think the first game that I played within this group of games is probably last of us one pretty pretty high bar for for the future games yeah um how about uh for the listeners we can maybe start to define this i i maybe the name itself is very defining but could you kind of run us through what are the the defining features yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, all of us are pretty familiar with the notion of like action adventure stories, right? This is a descriptor that's not unique to video games. Um, we see them all the time to describe uh, movies, even books every once in a while. And so I think it's, uh, it's I, I don't think it's an understatement to say that this description is kind of overused a lot of the times. Uh, and it's often just like thrown around as a general uh, descriptor for any kinds of media that have action and adventure in them. Uh, and so I think like going back, those are really the two main components, right? Like it's it's anything that has action uh, and, and anything that has adventure in it. Um, but I think in the video game industry, there are different subsets of games that are distinctly action and that are also distinctly adventure type games. And, and how those two come together is really where this Venn diagram of games really comes from. So I'm going to start off with the definition of both of those and then go into the kind of uh, games that are a combination of those two. So I think like when I when we think of adventure games, um, these games can be loosely defined as being purely puzzle based with little to no combat experiences in them. I think like these are games that often put players in situations where you have to solve situational problems. Um, there are sometimes like small components of action. Like it's not to say that there's never any battle or there's never any like conflict in the game. Yeah. But I think the fundamental focus of these games is is on the puzzles. It's on it's on mm-hmm. the exploration and that notion of like adventure, um, which is which is a little bit different when you add on the element of action. Um, action games are fundamentally those which are about combat, right? Like these are active games that are test the player's ability to react to things in in real time. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's really just a fancy way of saying like how quickly players can. Uh, uh, react to an enemy or deal with some scenario as quickly as possible right they're very real time very tactile and i think like that's where a lot of people get 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 you know enjoyment out of those kinds of games so i think like uh whenever we think about how these two genres can really be combined i think ultimately it's about trying to accomplish some narrative goal 
through the act of puzzle solving, exploration, and combat. Um, these games sometimes have an element of choice in them, but they're not really intended to be player choice driven the way that a lot of the RPGs that we talked about in the last episode are. Um, but instead, really, the core focus is to have the the strongest parts of action games and adventure games kind of combined into one. Um, they often have micro elements of like a lot of other genres, meaning that like sometimes you'll have you'll still collect skill points. Sometimes, sometimes you're progressing through a skill tree. Sometimes you're like you know gathering loot and new equipment, or, or sometimes they even have like character design choices, like 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 Red Dead Redemption. Um, but these elements are never the forefront of the game itself. Mm-hmm. The the main purpose of these games are often to kind of just like put you in a world where you're solving puzzles, exploring, but still actively engaging in a lot of action and combat. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like feeling like the hero and, and, and the protagonist of some narrative story. And this term has kind of been used pretty liberally over the last few years since, you know, the general appeal of pure adventure games has kind of gone down over the years. Um, but adding in the element of like action and combat, I think has really kind of driven a lot of the interest in that, in, in that genre. Uh, and so the definition of action adventure has kind of been used used much more frequently over the years than it used to be back in the day, I would say. So I think one other important component of today's episode is not just action adventure stories, but those action adventure stories which have a really strong focus on the narrative. Historically, narrative has always been a component of, of video games, mm-hmm. but I think because of the lack of like visual fidelity in a lot of these video games, it just naturally made narrative a bit less immersive, right? Like the original action adventure games were often text based, yep. um, and they were often just describing scenarios for players to make decision off of. Um, but compare that to nowadays, right? Like nowadays, video games are are incredibly, uh, incredibly detailed, incredibly beautiful to look at. I mean, like some new modern video games are just as good as the animated movies that came out in like 05, 06, right? Like the recent Ratchet and Clank game. The addition of this immersive media on top of like a lot of the physical components of like say the PS5 has like really tactile vibrations, etc. cetera. Um, it's really made the experience of playing these narrative games much more immersive uh, in a way that makes it at least match the medium of movies and shows, um, but also add on the element of like what makes video games fundamentally interesting, right? Like you are a part of the story and you actually feel the, a lot of the exhilaration that the protagonist feels when they're going about it. And so I think like as time has gone on, the bar for narrative quality in video games mm-hmm. has significantly grown over the years. Things like the last of us that, that you talked about, God of war, Hellblade. Uh, a, a lot of these have crafted narratives that have really created truly compelling stories with real characters, um, and and they stand out amongst the crowd and have kind of like continuously pushed the threshold on what video games can do from a narrative perspective. I I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on, but I I really wanted to plus one the primary focus on narrative, and I think why at least I'm drawn so so much into it. Because I didn't see this in the notes. Um, so I'll, I'll save some of them for later. But the main point that I want to make is because the the main draw isn't the gameplay. Yeah. Right? So I played a lot of Uncharted, which we'll definitely talk about later on. And honestly, the gunplay in that game is horrendous. I hate aiming with the third person you know, view and all that. But I just want to see what happens in the story. Yep. And because of that... I actually, like, for Uncharted 4, I actually didn't play the game myself. I just watched a YouTube playthrough. And I feel like that is another selling point of games in this genre because you don't actually have to play it if you don't want to. You can just, like, go watch someone else play it, and it's, like, 
as fun as it was uh maybe maybe more fun compared to if you played it yourself yeah exactly and and i hear this a ton of the times for 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 people who are, who are not very gamey i mean um tristan and i have a have a good friend named uh, laura Gao who doesn't play video games that often but her and i bonded over our mutual love of the last of us uh purely because she watched all of it on youtube uh and she doesn't have a console she's never gonna buy a ps4 or a ps5 to play these things um, but I think like if you want to be a backseat gamer yeah. at any point of your life, watching these kinds of games are definitely the most immersive and the most fun because even though there's like adventure elements and there's like skill points and all that kind of other stuff, they're not the forefront. Right. And more often than not, you're just playing to kind of finish the game as quickly as possible to some degree because you just <laughs> want to know what happens. Yes. Like you just want to know what happened. Right. Like it's not even like, oh, I'm getting bored or tired of this because there's just something new happening all the time. Um, in fact, before I bought my, my first like real console for myself, the PS4, when I was in, when undergrad, um, I watched all of God of War on my, uh, laptop, uh, because I didn't have a PS4 and I knew I wasn't going to be able to play it, but I was so excited about it that I just watched the entire game. And then even after watching the game, I was like, I want to play this so badly because I was like playing, it's definitely going to make it even more fun. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole reason why I bought my PS4. And I think I can definitely credit the God of War to easily being one of the first games that got me into gaming as strongly as I am now, because before that I really wasn't, wasn't playing that, that, that often. So I love these games. They, yeah, they hold a very dear, uh, you know, dear, dear place to me. This is probably gonna be a mix of like personal reasons and stuff, but why do people in general play games in this genre? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so first I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the general gaming mechanics. I think that like a lot of people like about these kinds of games. There's not They're not like super unique, but I do think it's important to touch on them. Um, and then I'm going to talk about exactly what you pointed out, which is like, you know, like why do people even care about this stuff? Uh, and like, like why, mm-hmm. why do people play this? So I think um, when it comes to mechanics, the narrative action adventure games in my mind are some of the best at really combining a mixture of the best of a lot of other kinds of games. Um, the first element, is, as I touched upon a little bit earlier, is this like notion of, of, of exploration. Um, there's this really great article written by IGN called The Past, Present, and the Future of Adventure Games that details like a, a ton of elements of, 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 of adventure games in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're at all interested, definitely take a look at it. But I mean, like fundamentally with these games, there's a, fe- there's a sense of exploration, narrative, and puzzle solving. Yep. I think like people really just enjoy the pure adventure games um for their ability to discover new parts of the world and like think through really difficult puzzles that come toward them and i think the the best part is how often these puzzles are additive to the narrative they're not really just like a hindrance right they're a part of the narrative and as you unlock and solve these puzzles you actually unlock parts of the narrative themselves and in, 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 in like the best of these games right um i think like the best example of this is is one of our favorite games the outer wilds i would easily call that a an, an adventure game, right? Um, mm-hmm. The entire purpose of the Outer Wilds is to explore. You're put into this massive world, uh, not even world, it's a solar system just that's just built entirely to constantly be changing, constantly be explored. It's full of puzzles and, and things to discover. And when you put these pieces together, you slowly craft the narrative of this world. And it's easily one of the most satisfying parts of, of, of games like that. And so I think... The exploration element is also oftentimes a bit of a break from a lot of the combat and action portions of the game, at, at least in action adventure games, right? Like these games are, are built off of a rhythm of high intensity action with extended periods of, of exploration and like light platforming, light, light puzzle solvings, 
before you jump back into like a really high adrenaline kind of situation. And so like Mm -hmm. that rhythm of like high action, low intensity, high action, low intensity is it's like a pretty reliable rhythm for, you know, for a lot of these games. Um, So talking about the combat a little bit more, I think you touched upon this a little bit already, right? But like these games aren't the Kings of being, you know, the most complicated (laughs) combat system. (laughs) Like they're really not not. booting up uncharted to have a great third person shooter experience on par with like gears of war. Exactly. Right. It's not like destiny. It's not call of duty or anything like that. Um, The goal is less to be like the most immersive and challenging gaming experience And I think it's much more about just like um, putting yourself in those scenarios and being able to react really quickly. So I think Mm -hmm. the best action adventure games, they have mechanics that kind of force the user to react to scenarios very quickly and very often. Um, Sometimes you have elements of like upgrading your character and improving your skills, but it's never as complex as like a role playing game um, or as like detailed as like a like a first person shooter or anything like that. at the end of the day, these games have to be fun and engaging, but they also don't want to overwhelm the player by having like constant specificity, right? right? So the bread and butter of these games is really that rhythm of slow, fast, slow, fast. Mm-hmm. Um, because anything that's too fast detracts from the narrative and anything that's too slow is too boring, right? It, so, like, it's no basically one's just play. a movie at that point. Exactly, right? Like I, I don't want to sit back and just watch my person do stuff or like have an hour not even an hour because these games are often six or seven hours long mm-hmm. of pure exposition that's just boring so <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine just nathan drake sitting there being like and then i did this um anyways yeah so like these games i think that rhythm though uh is is is, is more difficult to nail down because of the fact that you don't want to tip too far in either direction and attaining balance is just like it's difficult it's not it's not very easy a lot of the time yeah it, it's very interesting because when we think uh, we we talked about Fallout last episode, um, I don't remember if we went into the specifics of some of the newer Fallout games where I would define the gameplay loop there to be, you know, you hunt down a cu- couple of monsters, you get material, you craft things, you build out your settlement and gear, things like that, where a lot of the activity and player focus is like 100% engagement, right? you're like constantly doing things. Yep. Um, I don't think I've ever thought about mm-hmm. a gameplay loop being around kind of the rhythm and the amount of, let's say, quote unquote, physical effort you need to put into a video game. Um, so I, I really yeah. like that kind of definition here. I think we're still stuck on the definition. I want you to be able to sell someone who's never played a game like this you know, when they listen to this podcast, why should they go play something in this genre? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, I think these games are the kinds of games that you want to play if you want to feel like James Bond or if you want to feel mm-hmm. like Indiana Jones or Tony Stark or something like that. Um, at the end of the day, like, these are the best kinds of games to embody a main protagonist of a game. Um, you control them. You experience the relationships that they have with other characters um and, and and the most engaging elements of combat and action naturally makes the narrative beats hit even stronger. And so like yep. uh compared to the RPG games that we talked about in the last episode where you're kind of in charge of the narrative and like you choose which direction you go on, mm-hmm. these are ones where you're watching a story unfold fundamentally, right? Like yep. there's not a lot of elements of player choice here. 
I think when this is done well, the narrative quality uh, is at a much higher bar than something you'd get in an RPG, right? Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about all of the different branching paths or all of the different outside factors. You only have one story and like one timeline to tell. You can be really precise about the kinds of beats that you want to be hitting. Um, on top of that, the actual visual fidelity and quality of the games is usually higher as well, right? Like you don't have to motion capture um, 10 different endings or anything like that. Every scene is, is played out in one way. And so a lot of these games often have really high quality voice acting or just acting in general, motion capture, facial animation. Um, they're just really high quality a lot of the times in a way that like RPG games sometimes can't be. Uh, and so if you're looking for an experience like that, it, it's just incredibly fun to kind of play the role of a protagonist in this really highly detailed story. Um, and as a gamer, I think that's really the, the, the kind of best of it, right? Like um, compared to movies and TV shows, video games are fundamentally the, a, a more active thing, right? Like you get invested yeah. in these characters and these stories because of the fact that you control them. Um, and so this like opens up a lot of really interesting elements of like the meta experience, right? Like, like some games will actively force you to do things that are unpleasant or go against the way that you would handle the scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And because of the fact that you control the character, these things feel even more visceral than just watching something on a TV or in a movie where you're just kind of watching someone do stuff. But in these games, you feel like you're actually in charge of the character making that decision, even if it's one that makes you a little bit uncomfortable in the moment. Um, and so I think it just like makes it hit hit way harder yeah it's like you're watching a movie and james bond's in trouble and you're like oh he'll figure it out whereas <laughs> like i'm assuming there's a james bond action adventure game um where, where you're playing as him and you're like oh shit like what, what what do i do right like how do i get out of this situation um so yeah. i definitely agree with you there i mean there's a fancy word for this too what's it called ludo narrative dissonance um <laughs> excuse me <laughs> have you heard of this no. Oh, you've never heard? Of, yeah, it's ludonarrative dissonance. This is, is this uh, notion of like the fact that these games will often be like trying to make you do stuff that is the exact opposite of the message of the game itself sometimes. Mm. So for example, like The Last of Us is a perfect example of this, right? Like you have a yeah. game that is fundamentally a story about like revenge and, uh, and like the cycle of violence, right? But at, you yeah. spend the entire game killing hundreds of people. Um mm -hmm. And the part part two does this even better where you just feel this inherent conflict with a lot of the actions that you're doing in the game because you yeah. know that the game is trying to make you do feel something completely opposite. Um, so I, I don't know. I think video games are the kings of like actually evoking emotions from you when you yeah. do something and when it's done really well anyways. Um, sometimes it can come across as like tacky if the video game's not done well, but I think in the best of cases, um, it's just different from watching a movie or like reading a book or something like that. Yeah, I, I actually, unbeknownst to you, I actually added extra games in the next section. And I, <laughs> I have some very specific examples that I want to bring up that relate to what you just said here. Nice. So I can't wait. I, we'll, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they are. Um, I, I think now is a pretty good time to talk about some of the games that we would recommend for you folks. Um, if you're at all interested in the genre, uh, should, should we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so I think the first one is one that uh, that um, so okay. Disclaimer: I'm a massive Sony Sony boy, uh, and and frankly, like Sony just generally has a better uh, narrative action adventure stories, and so a ton of these games are going to be largely available on the PlayStation platform. That's not to say that there aren't some amazing games on Xbox. Uh, I'm just biased. So <laughs> or on the Switch, are there are there any narrative single player <laughs> stories on the Switch? 
I, I don't know. It depends on how you want to bend the definition, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Hades by that uh, is technically a narrative action adventure to some degree. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, how about like Resident Evil? Resident, that's that, a good that's... point. Yeah, Resident <laughs> Evil. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these games for are, are going to be Sony games just because I'm, I'm biased, but uh, they're good yeah. games. It's okay. I, I added two non-Sony games. Okay, that's good. Yeah. At, at, so it's I'll yeah. let you talk about those so that it's balanced. Um, so the, the first series is going to be one that, that Tristan and I have talked about a little bit here, and it's called Uncharted. Um, so the Uncharted series is made up of six video games that are made by a studio called Naughty Dog. Um, I wrote here that only five of them matter because those are the ones that are actually available on like the PS3, PS4, PS5 consoles. Um, and mm-hmm. those are Drake's Fortune, Among Thieves, Drake's Deception, Lost Legacy, and A, a, a Thief's End. The Uncharted series is, is, like I said, it's made up of, of six major video games. Um, if you're at all curious, uh, they've been bundled since their initial release. And so I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you can get... Um, at least the first three, uh, and then the last two as like separate bundles. Um, the, the very last one drinks, uh, a, a thief's end and, and lost legacy are the ones that were made for PS4 and PS5 respectively, uh, or actually they were both yeah. made for PS4, but they were remastered, uh, for, for PS5 recently. Um, the first game was released in 2007 for the PS3 console, and it was actually the first game that I ever played on my PS3. Um, my dad got it for me. I was like, what the hell is this? And then I couldn't stop playing it um, <laughs> because it was just that much fun. Uh, so uh, the Uncharted series, uh, if I was to like say it in one sentence, is effectively video game Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, it's it's fundamentally always been about telling like a really fun and, and engaging and active story about a bunch of thieves and a bunch of treasure hunters um, they take like the super successful formula of Indiana Jones, uh, the mummy series, even like national treasure mm-hmm. uh, and kind of apply it to the video game medium. Um, and so in this series, you play as a main character whose name is Nathaniel Drake. Um, and he constantly seems to find himself searching for some random forbidden treasure or forbidden city with like a motley crew of side characters. Um, the most constant of them being Sully, who's in, who's like an older male mentor of Nathan Drake. Um, well, that is the most polite way to describe Sully, <laughs> I feel. Well, yeah, I mean, they're all, like, thieves and, and con artists, but they're lovable, so I love Sully. Sully, Sully always makes me laugh anytime I play these games. Um, I'm also, there is a movie coming out based on this series. It's going to be horrible, most likely, but I'll probably hate watch it. Um, because Matt Damon is playing Sully in it, which makes literally no sense. No, no, no. Oh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg is playing Sully. Just still horrible. And Tom Holland is Tom Holland's like ten years old. I don't know why it's, they. It's really and, and bad. He, casting. That's, that's like a complete. It's a really tangent. bad casting. Yeah. <laughs> but um, back to the game. So the first three stories are actually pretty simple in nature. Uh, I'm pretty sure all three of them were released for the PS3 console. Uh, natively, and then the latter two were were released for PS4. But um, the first three stories were were super simple. They uh, while they like developed good characters, and you definitely did spend like a good amount of time with Sully and Nathan, and and like built their their relationship and their mentorship and friendship. I think the real attraction for the games that made them really really fun was just fundamentally the spectacle and the fun that are provided for a lot of the people that that, that play the games. Um, they were really straightforward, right? Like there was conflict between characters, but there wasn't anything that tried to push the realm of storytelling in like a controversial or emotional way. At the end of the day, they were just trying to get you to have fun. Um, yeah. The latter two games that came out, which was A Thief's End and Lost Legacy, um, they came out for the PS4 console 
and they told a more nuanced story. So um, it definitely didn't come at the cost of the fun that came with the first three stories. Um, but these games were longer. The stories included elements of like character conflict, and you found yourself like actively getting frustrated and and, and excited about the, like the decisions that the characters made um, in a way that you just didn't get with the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was a massive jump in visual quality. I mean, even playing these games now, it's honestly some sequences in these games is like kind of stunning. I'll literally just like pause uh, to look at some of the stuff that you're looking at because. There's just really beautiful set pieces, really detailed environments, very thorough character animations. Um, it's a really well-made game uh, that is kind of a staple for for, for Naughty Dog games in general. Um, but you can easily play these games now still and not tell that the fact that they're like, what, five, six, seven years old at this point. Um, it's pretty wild. But um, I think the, the gameplay uh, is... Uh, I, we've talked about this a little bit, but fundamentally the mechanics of the game are a pretty good pairing for like the ne- uh, for the levity and the speed of the narrative that these stories typically take. Um, the game doesn't go out of its way to be super risky. Their focus is like always on being fun and engaging um, without really being like overly complicated. And I I often binge these games just because of the fact that I'm I'm like a a binger by nature. Um, but mm-hmm. I can easily imagine someone spending like thirty minutes, sixty minutes a day, or or like. Even 15, 20 minutes, honestly, just like cracking out a, 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 a little bit of one mission and then like moving on to something else for a little bit. Um, the moment to moment gameplay is basically spread apart into uh, three main sections. Um, the first one is definitely the most action component of gunplay and combat. Um, as Tristan said earlier, this is not the most complicated gunplay. Like the fun element of the narrative is kind of meant to be matched by the rapid pace um and while like the earlier games were like a bit more clumsy compared to the latter two they still all had a pretty great system i would say for just like quick fun you know like you're constantly moving around uh you like switch guns often you're like hunting for cover i think the main spectacle of this though is just the fact that there's like so many people coming at you and so you're constantly uh, dealing with people it's not like it's a one-on-one gunfight it's like you with like 30 enemies around you and you're just like trying to figure out how the hell to survive i i think that adds to the ridiculousness uh, of these games where you're like a one person army mowing down hundreds of people. Nathan Drake <laughs> has killed thousands of people over the course of like the five <laughs> five games. And he has no guilt. Not a single kill. It's it's for the sake of treasure. It's so funny. It's actually hysterical when you take a step back. Because it's funny because the bodies will stay there after you've killed them. And like every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'll like run around trying to pick up ammo and stuff, and you'll just see literally piles of bodies because you threw a grenade yep. or something like that. It's horrible. Um, and then in the next sequence, he's like cracking a joke with Sully, like nothing happened just yep. like five minutes ago. Uh, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to like narrative dissonance. Like there is no, you just kind of ignore that component of the gameplay. Um, but it's fun. Like I don't, I don't think you can't call it fun, right? Like it's not complicated, but it's like fast paced enough for you to be like, ah. Uh, crap like that's fun and like your heart gets going a little bit yeah i mean i think it goes back to that rhythm aspect you're talking about of like you need some component of active participation that serves the story um right so like i mean we'll get to last of us but there's like some survival component of it i guess in uncharted you're against some antagonists that are after the same treasure um i i guess you can take the pacifist approach and just like i don't know tie them down but that's not (laughs) 
that's not fun. <laughs> exactly. No, it's much more fun to shoot someone in the face. Uh, yeah. But to like pretend <laughs> oh, like you God. didn't do that, you know? I think you mentioned that moment to moment gameplay. It was like three different sections. We talked about gunplay and combat. What are the other two? Yeah. So the second one is what I've described as like exploration slash platforming. And I say platforming with very heavy quotes. Um, so like in between gunplay sequences, the bulk of the game is, is honestly made up of a lot of simple platforming and exploration. Um, the game again, isn't trying to do anything super complex, right? Like this, we're not talking Celeste or, or like Mr. Meat Boy or, or whatever that game is called. Um, where like Su- super, super Meat, Meat Boy. Boy. Yeah. Like Mr. Mr. Meat, Meat Boy. You know, he's, he's, he's polite. He's Mr. Um, <laughs> our point is that like similar to the philosophy that they took, a, uh, took to, to combat and, and gunplay, a lot of the combat and exploration here isn't intended to be very complicated. Um, it's more often really just meant to suit that rhythm of these games where you're kind of like taking a break, but still feeling engaged enough to, uh, you know, feel like you're playing a game followed by like the intense combat that, that, that kind of comes with the gunplay sections. Um, I think this is served by the fact that the world that they've built is just beautiful. Just oftentimes, like these aren't open world games, meaning like you're not going to be able to explore every single avenue. Um, but especially in, in, in the last two games that were made for PS4, the worlds are just insanely detailed, um, and like very beautiful. And so you never mind that you're like just walking around a forest because of the fact that there's so much detail in everything that they've kind of crafted. Um, and so I think these, like I said, kind of goes back to the idea that, that these games are really some of the best at crafting a really beautiful detailed world, um, from just yep. like a fidelity perspective. Um, so those are the first two. We talked about combat platforming. The third one is, is I think what really sets apart um, the narrative action adventure kind of genre uh, in, in, in its like strengths, which is this idea of like set pieces. Um, a lot of the above two, two scenarios that we talked about, they ultimately build up to uh, these amazing action set pieces that are meticulously crafted to play out in very specific ways. Um, and every single part of them is like incredibly exhilarating. Despite the fact that they're meant to be like meticulously crafted, they still end up feeling very on the fly. And they still end up feeling like uh, a scenario where you as a player are reacting to things, despite the fact that they are like, intended to play out a certain, uh, a certain way. Um, the Uncharted yep. series has so many examples of these, but like just, just to name a few, there's, there's one where you're trying to escape a train that's, that's hanging from a cliff. Um, there's another one where you're climbing uh, on the outside of a flying plane. Uh, there's a surprise ambush. Uh, there's one where you're you're chasing several cars and then like hanging off of a bridge while the car is driving. Um, the attention to detail that Naughty Dog puts into each of these scenarios makes them beyond engaging. Uh, and despite the fact that like they're very clearly defined to play out a certain way, like the player always feels like they're responding in in in, in real time. Um, and exactly to your point earlier about being like a watcher of these games, these set pieces are the climax, yep. right? Like they're the things that the, the game is ultimately building to. Um, and they just get bigger and bigger as the game goes on until, you know, you like finally finish the game and kind of like take a breath of relief. Um, so it's a really good time. Like these games are simple. They're fun. Uh, the narratives balance out like a very healthy amount of, of like playful character banter, light supernatural elements, engaging action scenes. And you really can't go wrong with them if you're a beginner because of the fact that they're just like simple and fun. They're not trying to do anything controversial or complicated. 
Oh, I I definitely struggled with the uh, combat section in Uncharted a couple times, but maybe that maybe I'm just bad at <laughs> video games. Um, <laughs> I wanted to comment on the set pieces for a yeah. bit, and I think this really like this is where the narrative first concept really shines because this is where like a lot of at least I feel the movie or TV show aspects of telling a story comes into play, right? Like it's very scripted. There's yeah. a bit of interactions in there, but they're able to tell a story kind of through real time yeah. aspects versus exposition, exactly. which is what a lot of video games do. Um, also, I'm gonna counterclaim that it doesn't always build up from a uh, from a baseline because in Uncharted Two, you start in the that's train. a good point. That's you like do chapter yeah. one. It's it's literally a cliffhanger because you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> and you find out. Why am I bleeding? It's, it's pretty great. You literally wake up uh, in the train and then you look around and you realize that the train is hanging off of a cliff. And then you climb outside of the of the train until until you get to the cliff. Um, yeah, which, which is like a very Hollywood movie-esque yeah. type of script writing of like doing the time jumps and, you know, keeping the player's attention of how did, how did Nathan get here. It's really memorable. I like everybody who plays these games will remember these set pieces today uh, because of yeah. the fact that they're just, you don't really forget them. They're, they're like some of the most fun parts of video games from like a, like an endorphin level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's basically the Uncharted series. Like I said, very safe choice. If you're, if, if you're looking for something simple in the genre, um, some of the later games that we're going to suggest are a bit more complicated and a little bit heavy. So Maybe we should jump into those. I think the f- the second game that I really wanted to, to talk about was the God of War series. Um, have you played these, Tristan? I have played zero games in God of War. <laughs> so I, I'm here to listen and learn. Because I haven't played any of the older ones. I haven't played any of the remake ones. So oh, I have God. no idea. The remake is amazing. Uh, I thought you were going to stop your sentence that I've played zero video games. And <laughs> I was like, okay. It might be accurate, too. <laughs> no, we. I've seen your your Steam hours, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, I am a massive, massive fan of the God of War series, so I will happily gush about them mm-hmm. um, forever. But they've been around since two thousand five, and there's actually about like five or six core games that make up the series. Um, while the original series is a ton of fun in its own right, um, I haven't played every single one of them. Uh, I want to focus on the latest game that came out in the series, which came out in twenty eighteen. Um, the reason why is because it just completely revamped the story, the setting, the gameplay, almost every element of the games beyond the main character. Um, and not only was it like technically impressive what they managed to pull off, but it also created one of the most memorable games to date on the PlayStation uh, platform. Jumping in here, I want to note that like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I want to play some narrative action adventure games, do not play the first x um five or six games because they are not it's a hack and slash it's like devil may cry or bayonetta they're not what you're looking for yeah they're fun uh in their own right they are not intended to be like hyper emotional uh, in in the way that like a lot of sony uh i mean like they are emotional but definitely not in the in the same way that like a lot of the but they do play a role in 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 the newest one so i do want to touch upon them a little bit yep um but in these games, you effectively play off as a main character whose name is Kratos, um, who is a Greek man turned into a god. Uh, and uh, in these games, he's fundamentally trying to pay penance for the crimes of his past. 
Um, in the original games, uh, Kratos, uh, who is the main character, like I said, he's manipulated by the Greek gods into murdering his own daughter and wife. Um, and over the course of the OG series, he goes on to effectively uh, brutally murder the entire Greek pantheon um, and kind of like pays for the crimes uh, along the way. Uh, and so, yeah, really beautiful, cheerful storyline. Um, <laughs> I think that... The end of the story effectively is that after he succeeds in, in killing literally all of them, he effectively disappears. Um, and this is where the, the kind of new story kind of picks up. Um, okay, you didn't like so the spoil latest... the 2018 game, right? This is like context for the 2018 game? This is this is context, okay, okay. yeah. There's no spoilers. So all of the um, the OG games are set in, in the Greek universe. Um, the 2018 game is set in the Norse universe. Mm. Um, and so it effectively follows what happens to Kratos after all of that, uh, that all of that kind of went down. Um, the game changed the setting, like I said, to focus on the Norse gods after Kratos has kind of moved on to a new land. Right. Um, when, when he's starting off this, uh, this game, he's built a brand new life with his new wife and son. Um, but unfortunately, when we start off the story, we started off with the cremation of his wife after her death. Um, and the rest of the game focuses on the journey that he and his son go on to spread her ashes at the top of the highest peak in all the world. Oh, damn. That's heavy. Um, yeah, it's really heavy. Um, there are so many layers to this. Like, I could talk about it for ages. Like, um, without spoiling... So, the, in the original games, Kratos is... Uh, after he killed his wife and daughter, um, in penance of his crimes, the Greek gods put the ashes of his original wife and daughter onto his skin. Uh, and in what? this game, so he, he literally was bleached white by the ashes uh -huh. of his dead, uh, wife and daughter from the original game. So really heavy stuff. Um, there's a really nice parallel to that in this game where he's literally carrying the ashes of his new wife, mm -hmm. um, while trying to foster a relationship with the son. Um, and I think that's really the main focus of the storyline here. It's fundamentally, it's about the relationship that Kratos has with his son and the broader focus on the struggles that come with complicated familial relationships. I mean, I don't know about you. I've never killed my my wife and daughter, but you know, sometimes my mom makes me mad. Um, and so, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can sympathize with you on that. I, I don't. I don't have a wife or or son, but you know, I've I've, I've been frustrated at my mom too. I don't. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think you know, really tying it back to the to, to the game. Fundamentally, like I said, this is about the relationship that Kratos has with his son, and the broader focus is on the struggles that come with familial relationships. Um, his son actually isn't aware that he's a god, uh, and all he knows is that he uh, the relationship between them is strained because of the fact that Kratos is kind of still recovering from the fact that he you know, was the reason that his original wife and daughter passed away. Yep. And so as this like really long story plays out, we literally watch as the two of them foster like a, a real trusting relationship where Kratos learns to accept and heal from the mistakes of his past mm -hmm. um, and kind of like accept his role as a father yep. uh, while simultaneously watching his like son who starts off the game as being like this uh, kind of like sickly, not very strong boy um into a god because that's effectively what he is right mm -hmm. like um it's so it's it's a really beautiful story I, I, in a way um to kind of just like watch the two of them 
like learn to love each other. Um, especially because the actors that they picked are just fantastic and, and really phenomenal. The direction of the narrative is just like really well defined. Um, the director talked about how he was directly influenced by the birth of his first child mm-hmm. um, and kind of like how, you know, learning to be a father himself um, was a, a big reason for why he was motivated to create this game. Uh, and so, I don't know. It's, I think it's it's a really big departure from the the OG games, which are very cartoony a lot of the times and often problematic in how they portray women. Yeah. Um, in this game, fundamentally, like it's about those familial relationships and the trust between the two characters, and it's a really raw experience that that I I love a ton. I can't talk enough about it. Maybe maybe as like a delta of we just talked about Uncharted and how there's kind of like three main parts of the gameplay loop there. How does God of War differ in terms of the actual action side? Because um, I think on the narrative side, it seems to be kind of on par. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, going back to this notion of like rhythm uh, uh, in, in a lot of these games mm-hmm. of like action, slow, action, slow. I will admit that God of War follows a similar pattern of like very heavy action pieces with breaks in between for like exploration slash platforming followed by like massive set pieces. I think the key difference compared to Uncharted is that the actual combat system that they've crafted is phenomenal. Uh, I think uh, the word I put in our notes is bonkers. Um, <laughs> it's uh, The primary weapon in the game is a axe, um, one that you've inherited from your wife after her death. Um, and they've just gone out of their way to make this axe feel like a very visceral, very powerful weapon. Um, everything, every swing that you... That, that you like play out um, you literally feel in the vibration of the controller to the sound design um, and they've just gone out of their way to make you feel every single slash every when, when you rip through characters and feel the impact of every swing um, on top of the fact that it's a standard axe they've also added ranged combat to it so similar to the way that Thor in the MCU can kind of like throw his his hammer and and recall it um, you can throw the uh, throw the axe and, and and recall it back to you. And they've also built it so that the axe will literally hit enemies on its path uh, back to you. And so even though you start off the game with a very basic light and heavy attack combo, um, over the course of the game, you slowly build more and more and more combos on top until by the end of the game, you've you're you're basically just just flying through combat. You're you're, you're able to do so many different moves with. Um, with your base weapon, your shield, uh, you get to control the sun to, to do specific things themselves. And so the combat system is, is very additive. Um, and even though it's c- more complicated than something you would see in Uncharted, it never feels overwhelming. Right. Because even if you mess up, you still do the right thing and you still end up generally doing uh, something fun and, and exciting. Um, it's easily one of the most fun combat systems I've experienced in any game and, and you really can't go wrong with any approach. Um, it's just a fun game. It's a, it's a really good game. Like I said, it's one of the first. Uh, it was it's one of the first games that I got on my PS4 when I got it, and I still play it every once in a while because of how much fun it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been waiting patiently for for the for the second sequel to come out. Um, so yeah, great game. I'll trust you. <laughs> I, I don't have much to contribute because I haven't played these, but um, I'll trust you. I think it's free if you have PlayStation plus so it is i don't really yeah. have an excuse you don't i'll bet you to do it but i know that doesn't no really do not bet me no no i know i don't need more bets <laughs> thank you oh my god oh. um 
I think you had a basically a trifecta of Sony games that you want to talk about. So do you wanna do you wanna cover the last one? Yes, yes. The last one is uh, so near and dear to my heart. I uh, I still feel emotional about it every once in a while, but it's it's The Last of Us. Uh, Tristan touched upon it a little bit earlier. Um, but I think if if I genuinely had to recommend playing only one game out of anything that we recommend here, and mm-hmm. your primary focus is a narrative above all else, you 100% have to play The Last of Us. Um, it's it, it's The original Last of Us came about in 2013, uh, and it tells a story of two characters, um, Joel and Ellie, uh, as they venture across America in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um the, the big thing to remember is that Ellie is immune to the ailment that creates the zombies. Um, and Joel has effectively been tasked with escorting her to the only people in this world who could possibly make a vaccine to, um, to prevent, you know, further spread of this, uh, of this, you know, fungus or whatever that's like actually creating the zombies. Right. Um, I'll be the first to admit that the setting of the story is, is like, it, it sounds generic and it sounds really overdone. Um, but I think the focus of the story that really makes it as amazing as it does is the relationship between Ellie and Joel. Um, Joel is a character who is, is fundamentally broken. Um, he, he loses his daughter as a result of the, um, of, of, of the, of, of the apocalypse. Um, and, and he's lost everything he cares for. Um, and a big theme in this game constantly is just the way that this setting, this environment has kind of broken people down. Um, to kind of forget their fundamental humanities. And I think Joel is the embodiment of that. Uh, and so the fact that you play as him uh, kind of forces you to, to kind of reevaluate your relationship with, um, with Ellie and, and with the people around you as you play the game. Um, Ellie is a hardened child of the outbreak. Uh, she doesn't take anyone's crap. She's beyond strong and capable. Um, but she's also fundamentally a child, right? Like mm-hmm. She's looking for for family and she's looking for for safety and comfort to some degree in this like very hardened world. Um, and so similar to God of War, we you kind of watch these two form a really close bond as they struggle to survive and 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 reach their goal. Um, the game is filled to the brim with really heartbreaking moments that will 100% make you cry a river. Um, and they're easily just as often paired with really beautiful scenes that fill you with hope and gratitude and love. Um, you become really invested in these characters. You feel every bit of their happiness, their hope, their anger, their sadness. Um, and all of this is made even better because of the fact that the voice acting, the animation, the music, the story, it's, it's just so well done. And all of it come together to tell what is easily one of the best stories told in video game history. Um, when it came out, it absolutely broke the ceiling for what was possible in the video game uh, medium. And I think like to date, there are video games that are trying to push past what it initially built um, and, and continue down that track for what video games can be. Um, if you can't tell, I literally love this game so much. It will make you cry. Uh, there is a second game in the series uh, uh, called The Last of Us Part Two. It is, uh, in my opinion, just as wonderful. It takes some really significant risks in terms of narrative, um, and really ups the quality in terms of, of detail and animation and and everything. Uh, only reason why I'm focusing on The Last of Us is because if I had to recommend one for beginners, I would recommend the first one. I think it's a bit of a safer option. But Part Two, I'd be shocked if you played Part One and didn't want to play Part Two. So. That's kind of my whole narrative spiel anyways on The Last of Us. I feel very uncomfortable because like, yes, I agree with most of your points. I 
I, I don't know if I had as much empathy with the characters, so I'm like, oh god, that's one. I definitely did not cry when I... I I'm not trying to be a, a hard, you know, hard-ass here, yeah, yeah. but I did not cry, so I'm like, oh shit. And then uh, the third <laughs> third one is like, I did play the first one, but I have not played the second one yet, so that... that <laughs> okay, well, we're going to ignore everything Tristan said, because Tristan doesn't have a heart. Um, uh, I guess but so. I think, like, would you, would you agree that it's easily one of the best narratives in video games? Yeah, and I I think it comes down to the pacing, right? And and yeah. like it going back to RPGs for a second, especially around JRPGs where video games tend to be around a party of people, right? There there's just yeah. so many characters, you need to learn every single one. Whereas The Last of Us has a very heavy focus on just these two people and their relationship. Um and there's so much not expo- exposition, but there's like there's so many little things that happen where you can really understand how they w- want to work with each other or don't want to work with each other. Yeah, um, that builds that narrative exper- narrative experience. Yeah, totally. I mean, the story takes its time. Uh, it it doesn't like try to rush immediately into the relationship between Ellie and Joel. And exactly er- to what you said earlier, there's no exposition, right? Like. It's about watching these characters build a relationship, not about telling you that they've built a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just, I think it is, it's unique in, in its ability to do that across like all mediums. Um, they're also making a HBO series based off of it. Uh, uh, I'm I totally a little forgot about this hesitant. When I was, I'm optimistic uh, because of the fact that Neil Druckmann, who is the original director uh, of the game, is also the director for the show. Uh, or one of the directors for the show, and Pedro Pascal is going to be playing Joel. Um, uh, and he's a fantastic actor. So I'm hopeful. I mean, maybe it'll suck. Who knows? Um, uh, but I'll come back to that later because I, I have my reservations about video game directors translating into Hollywood directors. That's totally valid. That's totally but, valid. But I'll come back to that because it's a very concrete example of that. I will say, if it goes well, I'm really curious to see what it what happens in the future because uh it would signal to me a world where video game movies no longer suck um kind of like detective pikachu and or uncharted. the other video game movie oh uncharted, i'm not gonna uncharted <laughs> sonic the hedgehog shit. we all know uncharted's gonna be shit what was the other uh video game movie that just came out that did really really well sonic the hedgehog highest grossing film of 2019 or 2020 (laughs) it's true it's true because it came out right before the pandemic hit so it was like the highest grossing comedy that's a good point that's a good point um anyways we've gotten totally derailed uh but going back to the last of us tldr uh i think the narrative like i said is easily top notch um i want to talk a little bit about the gameplay since we've done that for all of the other games as well um So I think Sam, similar to all of the other games that we've mentioned, uh, there's that rhythm again of uh, combat mixed with exploration, um, mixed with set pieces. Uh, I think there's much more of a focus in this game on the slow components than there is in in Uncharted and and God of War. The combat sequences are just as exhilarating, but even there, sneaking around is, is like a pretty big component of it. You can't just run in guns blazing the way you can in Uncharted. Um, they really go out of their way to make sure that the combat system matches the, uh, the setting of the world itself. So for example, um, even though there's guns and, and bows and arrows and things like that in this world, 
um, in the higher difficulties, it's really, really rare for you to actually find ammo for those weapons. And so you end up relying a lot more on sneak attacks and on hand-to-hand -hand combat um, and saving those like heavy weaponry for the moments that you absolutely need them because otherwise you literally won't survive uh, and you're just going to end up like alerting attraction, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think what makes it unique is that they've done a really great job at crafting a combat, uh, combat system that matches the tone of the game um, in a way that if you're playing this game at night, like you will feel nervous. You will feel like a little bit like anxious slash nervous as you're like creeping through hallways. Um, I often find myself like just sitting up all the time and trying to pay attention. Um, the higher difficulties are no joke. I could not beat the game in the higher difficulties. Um, but it's a lot of fun for, for people that are kind of like looking for that slow anxiety inducing experience when it comes to video games. Yeah. And I, I plus one, the, the fact that the gameplay really just makes sense in terms of the setting and what the characters are going through, right? You're not finding yeah. hundreds of bullets. It's not a call of duty game. Um, exactly. <laughs> you're yeah, not, no. Yeah. So I, I, I think it all ties very well together. It's adrenaline in a different way uh, compared to, to Uncharted or anything else. Um, but yeah, TLDR, really great game. Uh, I keep saying really great game about all of these games, uh, but they really are. They're just, you know, they're, I'm going really... to pick some really bad games to talk about. How about that? <laughs> uh, I mean, you like them, so yeah, yeah. guaranteed to be bad, Tristan. Oh, like Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, the next three games, I think you wrote them all down. So I literally wrote them as we were discussing um, the other points today. So they're they're kind of hot off the presses as a, as I've been thinking about the definition. Um, I picked three games that are now currently not PlayStation exclusives. Um, so it's kind of straying <laughs> away from. I mean, some of them were before, so. Now, what can I do with that? So first game that I want to talk about was Metal Gear Solid. When I think about narrative, potentially exposition, when I think about the rhythm aspect that you brought up, I cannot help but think Hideo Kojima. Because like what you talked about of this cycle of low engagement, high engagement, Hideo Kojima takes it to kind of the extremes where... If you played a Metal Gear Solid game, I guess the context here is you play as a super soldier. Um, I don't want to get too much into the details because there's twists and turns in the story. But let's say you play as a super soldier uh, in various wars and you have to carry out missions. That sounds so generic. I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh, that's uh, great. Um, super unique. There's nano machines involved. Some of the games are set in the 70s. Some of the games are set in the you know future. Um I would say the world building is very well done in terms of like, there's just so many little Easter eggs here and there. And a lot of the story is based around kind of the cold war or, you know, how America and, and Russia view war. So um, if you're kind of a history buff, um, it might be fun in terms of like the alternate histories that they go, go down. Um, but I want to bring up the rhythm aspect for metal gear solid because it, <laughs> The, the, the meme has always been, if you want to play a Metal Gear Solid game, there's going to be a two-hour cutscene, and then you get to play <laughs> for 10 minutes. I feel like Kojima is the king of exposition. Yeah, it's very long-drawn exposition. Uh, very, very long, yeah. So I, I think this is an example of if you would rather want, like, if you would rather watch a movie 
and have some gameplay in there, this is perfect to play. Um, and in terms of the gameplay, I would say it's more of a stealth game versus an action adventure. Of yeah. You usually have to find your way around a uh, military base or you're rescuing someone or you're trying to get to an objective. And uh, doing it in a stealthy way is usually better because fighting is kind of the the least uh, or, or what do you call it? The worst option that you can take because fighting is actually very hard. Um, so I want to bring that up because I would say out of a 60 hour gameplay session of Metal Gear Solid, about 50, per, uh, 50 hours of it is uh, cutscenes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, Which one would you recommend? Because I've actually never played any of them, but there's a bunch of them, right? Yeah, I, I would say Snake Eater, which is number three, is probably okay. the most fun. So that one is set kind of in the past. I don't want to go into the details of the story, but there's a couple of different things that make that game really fun. One, there's kind of a survival aspect of you need to eat to not be hungry um, you can't eat everything that you find because you know mushrooms are poisonous um, and there's like a <laughs> good high level gameplay arc of taking down these um, bosses right like these like su- super soldiers that have different types of specialties so mm-hmm. um, the story kind of moves along in a very um, structured way which I really enjoyed I don't know if you can play it I think you can play it on a PS5. Um, I don't remember how you can acquire it now. But I had two other things that I that I slightly commented on. One was around, um, you know, the choices that you make, um, kind of not as impactful as an RPG, but not agreeing with the uh, the decisions of the player. Right? I think that was like way back when, like an hour ago. Yes, um, we talked about ludonarrative dissonance. Yes, that was the word. Um, so, spoilers, but in like... S- spoilers, so don't listen to the next three minutes if you want to play Metal Gear Solid 3. <laughs> um, and I guess to you, Raza, I'll just talk to myself. Um, is uh, In Metal Gear Solid 3, there's a sequence in the game where you have to wade through a river, and it's oh, like a river of the of dead or something. And you have to pass by every single person that you have killed in the game so far. So if you decided to kill like hundreds of people, that sequence could take like two hours. Um, Holy yeah. damn. I didn't realize it was extended based on the number of people you've killed. Yeah. So, you know, that that's a Hideo Kojima touch that he added. And then the second point I want to touch upon was, you know, Neil Druckmann directing the last of us tv series or movie these games are very long i don't know if game directors can you know basically crunch their game into two hour uh runtime i don't know if that's oh, in he's, their making, he's making a, a a season though that's like 10 hours okay 10 hours is definitely doable but like Hideo Kojima yeah. if you don't have the context on this game developer he really likes movies and I like he does I am like horrified at the idea of a Hideo Kojima directed movie because if his, even though it's all he wants to do yeah it's like 50 it's gonna be 50 hours long <laughs> like forget <laughs> yeah. the MCU marathon like you know this is gonna be much worse 
Um, Kojima is uh, an innovator, Tristan. He's an auteur, as, as they say. An auteur. Uh, sorry. So that's about Metal Gear Solid. I would say the series has a lot of great continuity. The gameplay really develops over the different entries. Um, and if you're in for kind of a long-term narrative, it's a, it's a really great series to get into. Um, the second one I want to talk about was Tomb Raider which is now made yes. by Crystal Dynamics. Um, it's in the same boat as God of War, where the there's like kind of the old series of games and the new series of games. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to touch on the new series, which I think started coming out in 2016. There's a trilogy. And I, I, I always think of it as kind of like the Uncharted knockoff, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like more serious than Uncharted. Yeah. To some yeah, it's definitely more yeah. serious than Uncharted. It's more supernatural than uncharted um yeah and there's a lot more brutal killing which i don't know if i agree I with um but it, you don't you don't agree with brutal killing tristan i mean okay so i i reviewed a couple games in this series and i always talk about this game is a trilogy and it's kind of like an origin story for lara croft who is the mm-hmm. um, Tomb Raider, as, as we're speaking about. And, like, she goes from... In the first game, basically, the context is, you know, she wants to find some treasure. It's on this island, like, you know, similar to where, like, a Bermuda Triangle. They crash their plane. They need to get off. Um, there's a lot of, like, supernatural elements. She's very scared. She doesn't know what to do. There's crafting involved. There's, you know, weapons involved. And then by the last game, she's, like trying to stop an apocalypse from happening and she's murdering half a country in the middle of it, right? Like it it becomes so, uh, the the change is so drastic. Um, But there's a good narrative. I I will say, I will say the um, narrative aspect is probably the weakest in terms of all the games that we talked about. But I, I think, Going back to the rhythm, I, I think that's like my one takeaway in terms of the definition that you brought up. I, I feel like the rhythm is good in terms of the balance of like you're crafting, you're fighting, you're you know you're you're progressing the story through. Um, so if you're looking for something that's a little bit more action adventure versus the narrative, Tomb Raider is a, a good series of games. Yeah, makes sense. I think you have one last one, right? Yeah, the last one I want to bring up. This was more of a meme, but then I realized it kind of fits the definition of Final Fantasy VII Remake, so the new one that came out in 2019. Yeah, you could. Um, it has or some RPG elements for sure, but definitely action-adventure as well. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely action because there's a lot of fighting. Um, I would say it's very narrative-driven. Going back to our RPG episode last week um, around how JRPGs tend to be very streamlined in terms of their storytelling and i think the changes that they made to the battle system uh with the remake really kind of caters to that narrative experience so i i don't want to describe final fantasy it's going to take me forever but in general (laughs) (laughs) no one can describe final fantasy i I can't explain all 15 mainline games wizards and stuff and big swords (laughs) and fancy fairy ladies that, that's, that's a, Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's a good description. That's Final Fantasy. Um, 
But I, I think going back to the rhythm again, it's like a good balance of a little bit of exploration, right? Because I, I think it brings in the aspect of you are talking to different characters, you're exploring different cities, you get to kind of choose when to progress the story, which might be a, a different type of flavor than the other games that we talked about. Um, but it, it kind of flips back and forth between telling the story, progressing it forward versus, you know, making... Uh, combat decisions you know it, uh what do you call it like leveling up your parties and stuff like that mm-hmm. before i close out i just want to recap so it sounds like the six games that we talked about we want to recommend to our listeners um uncharted god of war new the new versions last of us metal gear solid tomb raider and final fantasy 7 remake yeah, I would say those are honestly all pretty great options for you if you're at all interested in the genre. Um, I think you know you really can't go wrong with any of them. They're, they're they're all a lot of fun for different reasons. I think when as we close off this podcast, I want to talk a little bit briefly about again some of the reasons why people play these games. Um, fundamentally, as someone who loves these kinds of games, um, the combination of narrative with a really great video game is honestly like an incomparable experience. Um, you know, even though all of these stories are predefined and pre-written and you may not have a say in the direction that they go in, you still always end up feeling like a part of the story in a way that isn't accomplished in movies or in TV shows or in books. Um, you're still controlling the character, you know, like you're still feeling those exhilarating moments. You're still making those decisions, even if you aren't making them. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's it's why video games always stand out as being such a unique medium for people, right? Like um, they're fun and they're engaging, but they also, they're also just as capable at evoking emotions in you and making you feel sad or angry or frustrated or anxious. Um, games like the God of War and Last of Us talk about really, really in-depth and human experiences that we all share. Um, whereas some of the sillier ones like Tomb Raider and, and, and uh, Uncharted are uh, supernatural and fun and kind of tap into the action and adventure stuff that, that, that we all love. Um, I think in general, the genre has a lot for everybody. And if you're at all interested, definitely check out some of these games. Um, but yeah, that's all for this episode, folks. We want to thank you guys again for for, for listening in. Um, this is Reza. And this is Tristan. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. <laughs>